Well, in Aesop's fables, there is a story called The Lion and the Mouse, and it goes like this. Once there was a lion who was asleep. A little mouse began running up and down upon him, and this soon woke up the lion, who placed his huge paw on the little mouse and opened his big jaws to swallow him. Pardon, excuse me, O Lion King, cried the little mouse. Forgive me this time, and I shall never forget it. Who knows, but I may be able to do you a favor one of these days. The lion was so amused by the idea that the mouse might be able to help him that he lifted his paw and let him go. Sometime later, hunters captured the lion in a net. They wanted to carry him alive to the king, so they tied him to a tree while they went in search of a wagon to carry him off. Just then, the little mouse happened to, to pass by. And seeing the sad plight in which the lion was, went up to him and soon gnawed away the ropes that bound the king of the beasts. Was I not right, said the little mouse to the lion? Do to others as you would have them do to you. That is without doubt the single most famous thing that Jesus ever said. And many consider it the most concise and important ethical principle in human history. It's also probably the most universal the term golden rule surfaced in the 17th century and ever after has been known as what we call this little principle, do to others as you would have them do to you. Although versions of the golden rule are around in ancient cultures and a lot of different religious traditions. So for example, on the screen you'll see some versions from ancient history, from ancient Egypt and Greece and Rome. I'll not read them, but you can see these versions. Or there are versions of the golden rule from several different religious traditions. So again, on the screen, you'll see five of these. Uh, and there are more from other different religious traditions, different versions of the golden rule. Even secular philosophers, some who do not even believe in God, hold up the golden rule as central and core to ethical systems because it emphasizes mutuality and interdependence and reciprocity and says that those are useful in guiding behavior in ways that build a just and peaceful world that contribute to human flourishing. Now, some Christians are troubled when they find out that the golden rule exists in other traditions and other cultures. That makes it seem like Jesus is perhaps less unique, that what he said, uh, this may undermine his authority. And still others, on the other extreme, those who may be critical of Christian faith, use the parallels in Jesus, of Jesus' teaching to say that while he's wise, he's not particularly special. That, see, others came up with the same idea. So what are we to think? Well, first, the fact that something Jesus said is found in other traditions shouldn't actually surprise us. Why wouldn't someone see wisdom in what Jesus said, this simple yet profound statement? The fact that others came to this conclusion is something that Christians point to as a way of explaining how it is that God created us with a sense of moral understanding, a basic sense of morality that we share as human beings. And that's why often we come up with ideas similar in different traditions. Now, the truth is, we'll never get it quite right. The message of the Bible is that even armed with the basics, we tend to get things just a little twisted. Even if we understand what exactly it's saying, sometimes we're unable or unwilling to follow God wholeheartedly because our thinking is at least partially defective. That's while we see this idea for what it is and understand the value in it, we still may not be able to live it out. One other thing, as important as Jesus' teachings are, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, what's of infinitely greater significance 
is Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he is just simply one more great teacher. But because he did, he is so much more. The fact that he calls out this principle shows how important it is for us to pay attention to, but we put it into practice because we see his authority over all of life. Now, there is a piece of historical background that is helpful for us to understand when we hear what Jesus taught. A generation before Jesus was alive and teaching and preaching, there was a famous rabbi named Hillel who lived and said something similar. And the story is that a foreigner came to Israel decided he wanted to convert to Judaism, and he went to another rabbi named Shammai. He told Rabbi Shammai, I will convert to Judaism if you are able to sum up all of the law and prophets while I'm standing on one foot. And the whole idea was he didn't want something really long and, you know, long explanation. He wanted something short and concise. Now, Rabbi Shammai was known as someone who was strict, and he refused, and he drove the man away with a stick. So the man went to Rabbi Hillel, and he asked the same question. And Rabbi Hillel simply said, what is hateful to you, do not do to another. That is the whole law. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. So it's likely that when Jesus gave his version of the golden rule, those who were listening were familiar with what Rabbi Hillel had said. But they also would have noticed that Jesus added a creative twist. Perhaps you noticed it too. Jesus stated the principle positively. Rabbi Hillel and many of the other traditions that have this common idea stated it in the negative. Rather than simply restraining us from negative activities, what Jesus was saying is that we needed to do something positive. If we didn't have Jesus' version, it would be possible to fulfill this command by doing nothing. If taken literally, the negative version of the golden rule simply means that if I don't hurt you, you won't hurt me. That's good, but we could all obey it without doing something positive for anyone else. Now, let me just give you kind of a little bit. Well, let me give you an example. I could be faithful to my wife, meaning that I would never have an affair, never be unfaithful to her, and still be a really lousy husband because I'm not doing anything good. So Jesus' version is superior to many of the other versions. We probably shouldn't read too much into that because in many ways you can get there from some of the other versions as well. Now there is one criticism of the golden rule and it comes from those who point out that treating others like we want to be treated may not actually be what the other person wants. And so some will rephrase it and say, treat others as they want to be treated. Now it's helpful, it's helpful to consider that, although that too raises issues because sometimes the way others want to be treated is not actually in their best interest. No matter which version of the golden rule we use, the goal is to seek the highest good of another human being, whether they understand what that is or not, and to go out of our way to do them good. Now the truth is, as good as the golden rule is, it's not enough and it's not comprehensive enough to cover every possible scenario. However, it captures in just a few words, a vital ethical ideal. So whether it's stated as what some call the silver rule, this is the negative version of the rule, do not do to others what you would want them to do to you, or the golden rule, do to others as you would want them to do to you, or the platinum rule, as some now call it, do to others what they would like you to do, regardless of what version, it is a great summary of personal ethics. So avoid harming people. Get busy. Go out of your way to do something to others, the kind of good you'd like them to do to you. And use your imagination to think 
of what you can do for someone else. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were in their situation, what would you want, want or need done? What Jesus is describing is selflessness, an other-centered life. And it makes sense because you can just do a thought experiment and begin to imagine what it would look like in our world if we really did put this into practice. So Jesus says, get busy. Don't wait for others to kick this off. Take the initiative. Start and do something. Now, if this is so logical and so reasonable, why isn't this sort of thing bursting out all over? And the answer is because as universal as the golden rule is, it also goes against what our hearts often want and normally do. And that is because by nature, we're selfish. In fact, it's very easy for us to even turn the golden rule around and make it all about us. Some have even done that. Everything that they do that's good is calculated. It's calculated because they do good to those that they think can then do good to them. The expectation is, is that when they do something nice for someone, that someone will do something nice for them. So Jesus is not saying, do good to others in order that they might do good to us. That sort of thinking leads us to keep scorecards. Scorecards of what people do that's good and what people do that may be bad for us. And we need to be careful of seeing, not seeing the golden rule transactionally. Now, one of the ways you can discern that is if you start getting resentful when you're doing good for someone, you know, keep doing good, 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 and then you find out that they're not really returning it, that may reveal that you have this kind of scorecard mindset. That's how you can tell that selfishness, not love, is driving your actions. We know that Jesus had more in mind than a kind of I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine mindset from the context in which the golden rule is given to us in the New Testament. Let me just say, I think this is a stump speech that Jesus had. I think he repeated this over and over again. And one of the reasons I believe that is we find it two times in the New Testament. And both times that we find it, it's in a completely different story. Both of these we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. So for those of you who've been around, they may be familiar. But let me just quickly summarize them. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus encourages his disciples to ask, to pray for what it is they need. And why? He says, because God's generous and wants to give you good gifts. And so he says, in everything, do good to others, do to others what you would have them do good, do to you. In other words, it's God's love for us and his willingness to give us good things that should inspire us in turn to do to others what we wish that they would do for us. The second time that Jesus uses this statement or gives this statement is in Luke chapter 6. And this time, he's talking about loving your enemies, doing good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who persecute you, do to others as you would have them do to you. And then he concludes by saying, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful with you. Again, it's love, not selfishness, that drives the good we need to do for others. So the golden rule calls us to serve others regardless of whether they re we return the favor or not. That's why, on occasion, I think a good discipline is for us to do something for someone else who cannot return it. So that might be a child or an immigrant or someone who's elderly or a disabled person. Find someone who cannot return the good that you do and do it. Do something good for them. But this is hard to do, isn't it? Maybe you're like me. You've had times in your life when you've invested a great deal in someone. Maybe you knew someone in crisis, and so you came alongside them. Um, you provided them with emotional, spiritual, maybe even economic support. Or it might be that you met someone who's younger and less experienced, and you, you took them under your wing. You, you mentored them. You tried to help them out. 
Whatever the situation, you clearly went above and beyond what might normally be expected. But instead of thanking you, they walked off or worse, turned on you. In fact, one of the ironies of life is that it is often the people we invest the most in who disappoint us, who appreciate it the least. We can't imagine or can't assume that if we do X, Y, Z for someone, they will do it for us in return. In fact, Jesus never promised that this would happen. If anything, he promised the opposite. When we started this series on the quotable Jesus, we started with some sayings of Jesus that scholars and people through the centuries have called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a Latin word for blessed. He said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, etc. And the last statement he made was, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. What he's saying is, is that there are going to be lots of times in life when the golden rule doesn't work out. Not all the time, but at least some of the time it's not going to work out. So he never promised that if we do good to others, life will work out perfectly for us. So if your motive is to put the golden rule into practice as long as it works, you'll be disappointed. If you assume that as often as you give, you're going to receive in return, you'll be frustrated. It's just not going to happen because we live in a world full of selfish people. We're among them. In fact, people might even take advantage of us if we act in this way. The reality is is that there are plenty of people out there who will lie, deceive, cheat, even steal to get what they want. So should that make us cynical? Should that make us hold back and give of ourselves cautiously? Not according to Jesus. He tells us to love others, to give to them, to pour out our lives for them, and to treat them in the way that we would like to be treated, even if we're giving and never receive in return. Years ago, I went through a series of disappointments. I'd worked hard with several different people, in one case to help save a marriage, and another to help someone through a very dark time, and in a third case to mentor a young leader. And in all three cases, I was disappointed. They didn't say thank you, and a couple of them even turned on me in the end. At the time I was reading through one of Paul's letters, this was a letter to a group of Christians in Colossae, that's a city in what's now modern-day Turkey, And in chapter 3, he was talking about doing good for others and what should motivate us, what should drive those actions. And in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 3, he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, for it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So he's talking about them doing good deeds for others, and he's saying, you know what? It's not just the other people that you're doing good for. It's for Jesus. If we only think about what we're doing as doing it for other people, we'll be disappointed by their their lack of gratitude. People fail us. They often don't appreciate what we do for them. But according to Paul, ultimately, we do this for Jesus. And he'll reward us for the time we've invested, even if they never say thank you. So how do you live out the golden rule? Well, I think first we need to acknowledge that we cannot do this on our own, in our own strength. This is a simple rule to understand, but a difficult one to put into practice. And my experience is that we can only begin to put the golden rule into practice when we find we're empowered with God's help. Here's what Paul told some Christians in another city in ancient Turkey or ancient, the ancient world, um, Thessalonica. So he was writing to some people who wanted to do some good. And with that in mind, he says, we constantly pray for you that by God's power, He may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So again, he's acknowledging that it is their desire to do good. 
But he says, I want to pray not just that you'll have that desire, but you'll be empowered by God to do the good that you have been prompted to do. We also need to get the motivation right. It's only when we truly understand God's love that we'll fully live out the golden rule. When we're connected to God, we'll be drawn to help others in ways that we'd like to be helped, understand the way we'd like to be understood, love the way that we'd like to be loved, forgiven the way we'd like to be forgiven. And it's our own experience of God's love that motivates us to put the golden rule into practice. So let me just give some practical suggestions about how to put the golden rule into practice. Let me say that really what you need to do is is be creative, brainstorm some ideas. But let me just provide you with a few ideas that might give you a little bit of a creative spark. And the first is to be empathetic and compassionate. Imagine what someone else is feeling and do what you can to support them in whatever it is they're going through. Um, Then you can help ease their pain. Now, my parents tell a story about when I was a small child. Apparently, I was upset about something. I was crying. I was very sad. And my younger sister, who's 15 months younger than me, climbed up onto the sofa where I was um, seated and, and sobbing, sat down beside me, and offered me her thumb. <laughs> now, my mother's a nurse, and so I think she kind of put a kibosh on that. But it was a very generous offer. Or this, be friendly, smile, say hello. It can make a difference. Or be helpful. If you see someone and you see something that you can do, do it even before you're asked. When I was a senior in college, my last semester, I had a week when I think I had three or four different term papers due. And this is in the days I was not born in the 19th century, but I did was born before personal computers. And so we had to write out all our papers by hand and then take a typewriter and type them all out. I was not a fast typist, not an accurate typer. So my aunt, who had an IBM Selectric, volunteered to type all of my papers, and everything got done. At the end, I was just incredibly grateful to her, and I said, Aunt Mary Lynn, how can I ever uh, repay you? And she said, oh, honey, you can't. But someday, maybe you'll be able to do something for someone else. Another is to listen. Now, most of us like to talk, but few of us really like to listen, to take time to actually hear another person rather than wait your turn to talk. Now, there are some great listeners. My wife, Kathy, is one of those, but they're rare. But we can all learn to get better at shutting up and listening to someone else. Another is to, to, to refrain from criticizing. Don't criticize your friends behind their back. Don't use Facebook to say nasty things about public officials. Rather, compliment someone. If you think someone has done something well, tell them. My mother and father were leaving church this past summer on a Sunday, and two little girls, sisters, were walking by, and one of them said to my mother, that's a pretty dress. And the other one said, oh, I think it's pretty too. Now, you've got to understand, my mom is 89 years old, and she's a cute little old woman. But that hasn't happened to her in maybe a couple of decades. The memory of that little compliment still makes my mother smile. Another thing you can do is do what you say you're going to do, which may require saying no to a few things that you really know you can't do, but you'd like to promise, but then you're later going to disappoint someone about. Here's one. Don't retaliate. If someone lashes out at you, take the high road and let it go. Or be a change maker. If you see a problem, don't just complain about it. Do something about it. And then the final one on my list, although you can continue to brainstorm this list forever, is pray for someone. 
If you know someone is struggling, offer to pray for them and do it. Every once in a while, someone will come to me and say, how can I pray for you? And some of them even follow up weeks or even months later and ask me how it's going. When philosophers talk about ethical behavior, they can't help but be drawn to the golden rule. It is just a really simple principle that captures so much of what it is to live harmoniously in the modern world. But that's not where most of them start, because most debates about morality starts, start with a discussion of rules. Most philosophers, most ethicists start by trying to devise moral systems, which end up being about rules, lots and lots of rules. The strange thing about rules is that there are never more, there can never be enough of them, but at the same time, it's very easy to have too many. Why is that? Well, there can never be enough rules because we're always creative about finding loopholes. That's why the IRS code is volumes and volumes long. But too many rules tie us into knots. The problem is rules don't tend to make us better people. That's why we need something more, something simpler, something more comprehensive to guide us into the good life. That's why ethical philosophers are drawn to the golden rule. It's because it talks about the values, not just the rules. Jesus asks us to do to others what we would want them to do for us and then go and do it. And we can just imagine what this world would look like if we took this golden rule seriously. What if instead of waiting for someone to do something good for us, we took the initiative to do something for them? The golden rule alone can't turn a bad person into a good person, but it can turn our attention toward the needs of others. Rules can't do that. Rules can restrain, but they have little power to guide us in the way of love. Now, the golden rule isn't the only thing that we will need to live a good and moral life. Jesus said that the golden rule sums up the law and the prophets. Now, he wasn't saying by, by saying that, saying that the law and the prophets were no longer necessary. In fact, what he was saying is start with this summary and then read the rest to find out ways you can live these things out. That's why the rest of the Bible helps us do that. One time, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, came to see him. This is in Mark chapter 10. And they asked him to do something for them. And Jesus said, well, what is it? And they said, would you let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom? Now, what it was was a request that shows that they were anxious to grab for power and authority and position. Gently, Jesus pointed them in a new direction. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over those under their authority. I don't want you to do that. Instead, if you want to be great, be a servant. And if you want to be first, be a slave. For the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. The ultimate example of the golden rule is what Jesus did for us on the cross. When he lived the life that we should have lived, and died the death that we deserved, that we might live. It's God's grace that motivates us to serve others, and to follow the example of the one who served us. Let's pray. Father, this golden rule is so familiar, um, yet in some cases so overlooked. Help us today to think selflessly, to think about the needs of others, to begin to put this into practice. And Father, may we be inspired to do so by the example of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live this out and so see our world made into a better place. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.